So I'll just, oh, there we go. Great. Thanks, Jules. So I've, um, we've been working through this series began just last week of re-seeing Jesus or seeing Jesus again with fresh eyes. And I've been reading John uh, chapter 6 this week and, and I started thinking about even my own life, how this relates to me. And I think about the, I, I love adventure and I love doing things outdoors and like hunting and fishing and hiking and, and, and skiing. I, I love being outdoors. The thing is, I'm kind of a gear guy. I like the, the equipment that comes with all that stuff. And there's this part of me that's a maximizer. Trace and I talk about this difference. She's a, um, a good enough, like, oh, it's fine. It works. It's good. I'm like, oh, this would be just a little bit better. And so how can I get that piece of equipment? Or that would help just a little bit more. So I have all these activities, things I like to do, while well, the gear starts to add up. And not only that, but a house that we're working on that we want to complete, uh, working on the basement and things. And so these things keep adding up. And I have to be honest with you, I'm sick. I have a sickness. I have a brokenness in me that is constantly hungry for more and more. Constantly hungry. And, you know, and I thought I had it beat. Two years ago, I remember, I can remember telling Tracy, just, I, just these one or two more things that I need, two more pieces of equipment, and then I think I'm done. I think I'm good. And... <laughs> And yeah, I'm, I've, I wish I was laughing now. It's actually kind of sad because I don't even remember what those two things were. And it's been a long, like, I've been lots of things since then. Like I said, I'm sick. I have a brokenness. I think a lot of us do. A lot of us wrestle with this sickness. We want more and more. More stuff, more comfort, more success. One more thing, right? If I can just get that one more thing. That one more accomplishment. That one more thing that would finally complete that room in my house. Just one more thing, right? And I started thinking about it. That one more thing starts to become less of a light at the end of the tunnel and more of a hamster wheel. We keep going round and round and round. Never really fulfilled. Maybe satisfied for a minute until we start thinking about the next thing we need. Never really content. Start thinking about the... The, the thing we need to buy, or the part of our house that we want to renovate, or the new car that we want to buy, or that new tool that will finally make all of our work easier, or those new shoes that we needed, or that new dress, or that trip, that next trip that's going to be the epic trip of our family that we can't wait for. We want more and more. Just one more thing, and around we go, right? And I find myself, this, this week I've been reading... Uh, John chapter 6, when Jesus is teaching about bread from heaven. And it's pretty convicting to me. I found myself asking, when's it enough? How do I get off this hamster wheel? How do I quit going round and round and round? Well, this morning I hear Jesus speaking to us. I hear him calling us off the hamster wheel. But let me give you just a little bit of background. So leading up to the, what we're going to be reading today, uh, it's the... It begins uh, in the desert across the, across the lake when Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Feeds 5,000 people with uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. Basically a kid's lunch. And he multiplies that and he feeds over 5,000. And it says they're sitting on the grass. And I have this image after they've all eaten. It so they had tw- they gathered up 12 more baskets of, of leftovers, basically. And I have this image of people sitting around patting their bellies like Thanksgiving dinner. They're satisfied. That was good. They're full. 
And so they get this bread idea, like, let's make Jesus our king, because he can provide bread. Let's make him our king. And so Jesus steals away, goes back up the mountain to pray. His disciples go on a boat, and they start heading home, uh, heading back across the lake. And while they're uh, sailing across the lake, this huge storm kicks up. And they're terrified until they see Jesus walking across the water to them. And then they're more terrified. (laughs) But he says, do not be afraid. It's me. And they come and they arrive at the other side of the shore. And well, that's where this story picks up. That's where we begin this morning. So uh, if you have your uh, Bibles, open those to chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 22. uh, Or if you want to, they have these white sheets in your bulletin uh, to read along there. I'll start at verse 22. It says, The next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that the only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples. But they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for bread that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do? Uh, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous signs then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who has come down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So as I'm hearing this passage, in the beginning I see the hamster wheel spinning as the crowd gathers. They come up to Jesus and they ask him, Rabbi or teacher, when did you get here? And Jesus, he knows. He knows people. Tracy was talking about it today with the kids. He knows people. And he says, you're not coming here because you realize what, is, what God is doing among you. You've come because you ate some food and you were full. Jesus says, don't work for the food that, that will go away, that will be destroyed. Work for the food that lasts forever. Work for the bread that has come down from heaven. See, the people didn't realize that Jesus feeding 5,000, that was a sign that the kingdom of God had begun. It was a sign that God's work was beginning among them. The kingdom was here. And they missed it because they were so worried about their meal ticket that they missed the Messiah. So that's the first thing, the first question that people ask. Rabbi, when did you get here? So Jesus explains to them, you're not looking for me because you see the signs that God is doing something amazing, that the Savior has come. You're just looking for another free meal. So the people start asking him, they start saying, what must we do to, to do these things, to earn this, uh, this bread? And then Jesus says this one thing that changes the course of human history. He changes the world. 
says you get it by believing into the one he sent. It's not something we do. It's not something we have to earn. It's grace. A free gift. Because of who God is. Not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of who God is. It's a free gift that we don't earn. We can't earn. Even if we wanted to and tried, we couldn't earn it. It's by believing. And by believing, we receive. Now, I want to say one thing about believing. I think most of us, like in our culture today, belief has the, eye, or the connotation of, I, make a ment- I mentally agree with that. Or I mentally affirm that. But when Jesus talked about belief, the Hebrew idea of belief has this link to our life. And it's, if I can use this word, maybe rather than believe, it's actually devote. Saying devote yourself to the one whom God has sent. I think gets more at what Jesus meant when he said believe. Because see, in our time, we say belief is something I mentally agree to. When in the ancient world, belief was also included the way you lived. That you would devote yourself to the one whom God has sent. Devote our whole lives to Jesus. Not just uh, agreeing that, yeah, I think he's the son of God and then going on about our business, but devoting our life to him. See, we live in a world, too, where people talk about, about belief and their understanding is, you know, I say what I need to say, pray what I need to pray so that I can get to heaven someday and then go on about my way. But Jesus is talking about belief, about devotion devoting our life to him, following him with our whole life. So then the crowd, you can see they start wanting to get down to the nitty-gritty. They wanted to ask him, okay, show us a sign. Show us who you really are then. Give us something to see, again, something to believe. He said, because our forefathers, they had manna that came down from heaven. Every day for 40 years. For the whole people of Israel. So Jesus, you're going to have to do better than 5,000. And so Jesus, I think, I don't know how I would have been. <laughs> I think if I would have been with his disciples, I would have been, Jesus, forget these guys. They're still pushing the buttons. They're still trying to get more out of it. But Jesus is gracious. He corrects them. He says, it was not Moses... Who gave you bread from heaven? It is your Father in heaven who is giving you right now the true bread from heaven. It's your Father right now who's giving you this amazing bread from heaven. You see, the people say, Give us one more. Show us one more time. And I hear Jesus saying, How many more times is enough? How many more times are you going to have to go around the hamster wheel? He says, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the one that they've been looking for. He is the sign. He is the miracle who has come. And yet people keep asking for, give me one more lunch. Provide one more thing so that I can really be sure. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. But then it seems like there's this breakthrough. And like people begin to get it. Because they say, give us this bread. Give us this bread every day then. And then Jesus says this amazing thing. If you look on your white sheet, it's, it's number four there. He says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, 
and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Now I just, there's a part here in English that it's hard to see. In Greek, Jesus says, ego eimi, I, I am. Those are the exact same words that, that God, that Yahweh began when Moses asked him, and Moses asked him in Exodus, he said, who should I say sent me? In Greek, it's ego eimi. In Hebrew, it's ahie asher ahie. Squeeze that down and gets the name Yahweh. Here, Jesus is saying, he's speaking the name of God. He's saying, I, I am the bread of life. Now, this word, these two words, ego eimi in Greek, they only happen a few times uh, in, the, in the New Testament. There's a few places where other people say it, but in the Gospels, it's almost entirely Jesus. In fact, when Jesus is at his trial and the Sanhedrin are questioning him, and they say, are you the son of God? And Jesus says, ego eimi, I, I am. And you will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. And at that, the high priest tears his robes because Jesus is blaspheming right in front of him, saying that he's God. Here is Jesus saying, I, I am the bread of life. So not only do we get this amazing glimpse of who God is, Jesus claiming that he is the son of God, that he is God the son, but he also makes this promise. He says, whoever believes in me, whoever relies on me, they will never go hungry and they will never go thirsty. And that's good news for people like me who are sick, who are always hungry for more. So the crowd comes to Jesus and they're asking these questions. They're trying to figure out who he is and Jesus is showing them that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the bread of life. So I hope you're hearing this. I hope you're hearing Jesus say, I, I am the bread of life. I hope that you're hearing it because the reality is that we will never go hungry. We will never go thirsty believing in Jesus. Now I think, now I want to say this to some of you who are saying, well, what about people, for example, in Africa who are Christian, who believe in Jesus, who are really hungry and thirsty a lot of the time? I think Jesus is talking about that element, but he's also talking about spiritually, about our lives. I mean, there are times when we'll be thirsty for water, but we will never be thirsty for life if we are following Jesus. It's the sort of thing that changes our life. But the question comes is, how do we work this out in our life? And as I've been listening to this text, I've been, Jesus talking about food, food that lasts in eternity to last forever. And I realized that if Jesus is the bread of life, that we eat a lot of junk food, a lot of spiritual junk food, relying on things like stuff, success, hobbies, more and more. I mean, how many times have you heard people say, oh, I, I just can't wait for, for my renovation to be finished. Or I can't wait for my house to be completed. Then everything will finally settle down and I'll, I'll be finally able to live. Or people who say, you know, if I can just get that next accomplishment, it's just that one more thing, and then I'll be happy and then I'll be done. Or people say, you know, if I can just, I just, I, I was out, um, my hobby, say my hobby is fishing. I was out fishing five times a week. If I can just go on one more day, if I can just go tomorrow, then everything will be fine. It's always more and more. But the thing is, these things are like, like spiritual potato chips. 
don't know about you, but my family loves potato chips. We can easily polish off a bag if we're hungry. (laughs) But these things are spiritual potato chips. Okay in small doses, but when that becomes the center of our diet, we get flabby. We get sick. And the more we eat, the more we want. It's never enough. I was thinking about the food pyramid. You see the bottom, the basis of it, there's lots of bread, grains. And at the top it says oils and fats. Potato chips are oils and fats. Salty oils and fats. The thing is, what's that? They're vegetables, right. Well, some part of them once upon a time was a vegetable. (laughs) They taste good though. But here's the thing. Oh, whoops. The, uh, the thing is, we eat this stuff, we eat these spiritual potato chips. And it's supposed to be the base at the bottom, it's supposed to be the bread. I'd say the bread of life. And yet we live life, we, get, we eat so much potato chips, it's like the pyramid flips upside down. We try to base our life on potato chips. Try to make the, the next thing that we want to buy, make that the thing that we're going for. And then we get it, and it's just not enough, we need more. Or if I can just have this, this one more accomplishment, I know then I'll be satisfied. And then we accomplish it. And then we think, oh, now what? I had that exact feeling. I, worked for, I went to school for years to be an international business. I remember I was sitting in Seoul, Korea. Finally, international business person. I was like 20-something. I remember sitting in this high-rise hotel thinking, okay, now what? It's potato chips. Tastes good while you're eating, but then you always need more. Well, this morning I hear Jesus saying that I am the bread of life. And if Jesus is the bread of life, if we never hunger or thirst, then I want us to have more of him, to need more of him, to feast on Jesus, to feast on him, whether that's praising him or praying, whether that's reading God's word or if that's serving other people alongside him. These things nourish us. These are the things that fill us up. This becomes the foundation of our lives, of our spiritual diet, our spiritual health, spending lots of time with Jesus. And I say this intentionally, the first thing, because one, it's the basis, it's it's everything. But also, too, because if I say, stop eating potato chips, you might hand them over to you, but if you're anything like our family, you'd say, no, these are mine. It's only to give you something healthier and something better. But you can let go of the potato chips. You can let go of all those things that you think are going to finally make you happy. You can let go of those and grab onto something that really will. Grab onto Jesus. I can tell you this from my own experience. This last week, I was up until I think 12 o'clock at night wrestling with this text because there's something that I've really wanted for a couple months now and just saying, you know what, I'm going to have to let that go. And I let it go because I was delighting in who Jesus is. There in the middle of the night, everyone else is asleep, and I was just delighting in who God is, and I thought, you know, you're right. I don't need that. I've got you. I can let it go. Not only is Jesus the basis, but when we make him the center of our lives, everything else begins to fall into its place. Letting go of those potato chips, letting go of those things that we think will make us happy but really won't, becomes doable. In fact, we begin to desire to not worry about that stuff so we can spend more time 
following Jesus, reading his word, praying, delighting him, going on walks, spending time with our Lord. And it changes who we are. So this is the basis. The basis of it is, is feeding on Jesus. The next is this, is blessing others. And I say this on purpose because most people in our culture, most people, our culture says, you know, help people if you've got some leftover. Like if you've got some crumbs that you haven't eaten, go ahead and give it to someone. Or if you've got a little spare time, go ahead and donate it or, or to, to help out. But I'm saying cut out a portion of your life. Devote a portion of your life from the beginning. Tracy and I do this in our family. Just a small example. We have a savings account. We call it our benevolence account. We put money in there each week, or sorry, each month. So we have money to bless people. Because if we didn't, we found that when we didn't have that, we would say, oh, well, we, we've spent it all. <laughs> Bought all of our stuff with it already. But each month we, put, we set some aside, or we set time aside, we plan time to go and bless people. So if we just say, oh, I'll just bless people as they come, that's awesome, do that. But if that's our only approach, then we might find that we don't actually have time to bless anyone because we're so busy with our own stuff. So find time to bless people. Set aside time and resources to bless others. The last thing is this, is to limit what we intake. Limit the amount of potato chips we eat. This is something that, that I do, I, there are how our family works it out. We set up like a small amount that we have just to buy stuff or to, to buy whatever we want to. But it's a set amount. When it's gone, it's done. Because I know if you're anything like me, you get that one thing and you think, oh, that was wonderful. I feel so satisfied for about five seconds. And then I think, okay, now I need this to go with it. Or you've accomplished something. That was amazing. And you get this high for a while, maybe a day or two, and you start thinking, okay, now what? got this energy in me, this ambition in me. Now what do I do with it? So we limit that. So if it's in terms of stuff, if our weakness is stuff, if the potato chips we fall for every time is stuff, set a limit. Here's how much I'm going to set aside for stuff because it's not bad to have stuff. It's when that becomes the center or that becomes our diet or our idol. That's when it just starts to destroy us, ruin our family. What about Success. Setting a goal. Saying, this is, this is what would be good. How can I do that and then stay there and find out ways that this is a blessing to God? Because so many times we want to go more and more and more. It becomes about us, about our glory. And the people around us begin to pay the price. What about hobbies? You know, we could spend tons of time in hobbies. These are things we love to do. But we have to be careful that they don't become the center of our lives. We don't start squeezing out the good, the nutritious things just so we can indulge ourselves. So here Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. And here's how we work this out. By feasting on Jesus, spending a lot of time feasting on him. By taking time to bless others, setting that time up, and limiting what we intake for ourselves, the junk food. This week, I want you to do one thing. I want you just to do one thing. I want you to feast on Jesus this week, that basis of the triangle. I want you to feast on him, whatever that looks like for you. If that's spending time just sitting in your favorite chair and praying, do that. If that's sitting uh, at, your at your kitchen table and just looking out the window with a great cup of tea and just praising God or talking with him or spending time or just delighting in him, do that. 
If it's reading God's word, if it's just reading large chunks of the word of God, do that. If it's coming and gathering with your close friends and talking about how the Holy Spirit, how you see the Holy Spirit at work in your lives and you love to laugh and talk, do that. Find, times, find ways to feast on who Jesus is. Maybe it's that savoring those smiles that you feel as you go and you bless your neighbor without them knowing. Find ways to feast on Jesus, relishing who he is, that he's the bread of life. Savior, savoring the reality that he has come down from heaven, that he has given us life more full. He will never be hungry or thirsty again in him. Amen.